you have your Bibles this morning, let's start in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, as we're in a study on spiritual gifts. Today I want to look at the spiritual gift of giving. Some people don't understand that that is a gift that God has given to certain people. You know, this is the only place that we find this gift mentioned is in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. You know, so we're looking here at the next few weeks at the, uh, the spiritual gifts. And as we've laid the foundation, we talked about last week how there's two categories. In other words, spiritual gifts are divided into two categories. One is the foundational gifts. These are gifts that were given to the apostles and the prophets for the purpose of laying the foundation for the church. And the second category is that of permanent edifying gifts. These are the gifts that we as believers, you know, uh, receive the moment that we're saved. And these are in effect today for the purpose of edifying and building up the body of Christ. And as we pointed out last week, it is these permanent edifying gifts that we're going to focus on on this particular study. Now, last week we looked at an intro into spiritual gifts, and we also looked at the gift of service, which is sometimes called helps. It's sometimes called the gift of ministry. So today I want to look at giving. And again, Romans chapter 12, verse 8 is the only place that we see this mentioned, and it's in a couple of the other gifts. He says, For he that exhorteth on exhortation, and here's where we see the gift of giving, he that gives, let him do so with simplicity. Now, this the one gift, uh, this is the one gift that is told or that we're told, instructed to give with simplicity. And what we're talking about here is not the tithe. Some people get this gift mixed up with the tithe and they confuse it with the tithe. This is not the giving of tithe as we're all supposed to give a tithe in obedience to God. Rather, this is going beyond the tithe. There are certain ones God has gifted with the gift of giving. They give their tithe, yet they're always willing to give above and beyond that. This word actually means super give. So when it's used here in Romans chapter 12, it actually means super give. You know, it, it is a compound Greek word. Now, normally the word give is, is simply the Greek word didomi. But what we see here is it, it goes beyond that. It is, the uh, like I say, a compound Greek word. And that compound Greek word is metadidomi. Metadidomy. Now what that means is simply this. It means to, it's, uh, to super give or give beyond or to give over. In other words, the person with this gift, they give above and beyond their tithe. They give over their tithe. And that is the word metadidomy. They have this special gift. They are super givers, if you please. So we're all instructed to give. Now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you would. We've got a number of scriptures to look at this morning, so don't close your Bibles. And, and uh, like I say, I, sometimes I hate turning to a bunch of scriptures because, you know, sometimes it reveals who reads their Bible and who doesn't. And you say, well, how does that do? Because when you see dust fly up when people are flipping, you know they haven't read their Bible throughout the week. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, see, the, the, these younger people, they got the phone, so it doesn't show up, does it, Crystal? Nope. <laughs> okay. So anyway, we're going to look at a number of scriptures, but you know, you know, there, there's some that are just gifted in this way. They're methodized, okay? And Paul instructed the church at Corinth, you know, concerning the giving of offerings here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. 
Now, again, some people confuse this passage of Scripture with tithing. This passage of Scripture has nothing to do with tithing. This passage of Scripture, as we're going to see, has to do with giving above and beyond the tithe. Here's what Paul said. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him. Now, let me just stop right there. Those who do not believe in tithing you know, we'll say, well, that's an Old Testament thing, but you do not see anything in the New Testament about giving a tithe or giving a, a, a tenth. The word tithe simply means tenth. So people will take this passage of Scripture and say, well, see, that's an Old Testament thing. The Bible in the New Testament says that we're to give as God has prospered us. Can I tell you something? For some, that'd be very scary because some may, God may have prospered you pretty good and you'll be given more than a tenth, just a thought. Okay, but here's what he says upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay aside in, uh, him in store as God has prospered him. Now, here's how we know it's not for tithing, that there may be no gathering when I come. In other words, Paul was saying, I don't want to have to take up a special offering when I come. You go ahead and you give as God has prospered. So when I get there, this special offering, this special gift will I'll have already been taken up. Paul was not speaking about tithe. He was speaking about a love offering for the struggling churches, mainly the church at Jerusalem, who was comprised of some pretty poor people. So Paul was telling the church at Corinth, go ahead and take up a love offering. So when I get there, it'll already be taken up. Again, not a tithe. The tithe goes to the church. But take up this love offering, take up this special offering for the poorer churches so that when I get there, we do not have to take it up then. The tithe was and is expected of obedient believers. However, an offering goes beyond the tithe and one with this gift will always be sensitive of the needs of those around them. Now, there's two ways that people normally give. First of all is singleness of motive. Let him that give, give with simplicity, we are told. So when you give with simplicity, you give with one single motive. And that one single motive is this, if there is a need, I'm going to give. If there is a need in the body of Christ, I will give. The word simplicity simply means sincerity. It simply means purity, gracious, liberal. In short, if there is a need, I am going to reach in my pocket and I'm going to do what I can to meet that need. The whole need, no, but partial of that need. I don't think God expects anyone to meet the entire need. But God, that's why he has given the gift of giving to various people within the church so one don't have that uh, uh, whole burden. Does that make sense? And that's what he's talking about here. You know, to go above and beyond the tithe is expected from obedient children of God. However, most people give with two motives. Their first motive is, well, yeah, I know that person has a need. I'm going to go ahead and do what I can to meet that need because I may need a need one day. Okay? Now, listen, if you're only giving because you may need to have a need one day, you're giving for the wrong reason. The second thing is, I'm going to give, but whew, let me make sure I got enough for myself. Okay, let me make sure I got enough to go to Cotton Patch after church. Okay, let me make sure I've got enough for myself. You see, those with the gift of giving, they don't sit around and calculate, you know, uh, how much is going to be left over for me. 
In other words, they don't sit and say, okay, if I give uh, $100, what's going to be left over for me? They don't even consider that, okay? Why? Because God has given them this special gift of giving. They simply meet the need with no thought of self-glory, no thought of a pat on the back, or no worry about if their needs will be met. You see, the gift of giving is exercised with singleness of mind with no consideration of self. You know, this doesn't mean that, again, like I said a while ago, that this person is going to meet the complete need, but they're going to seek the Lord for the amount to give with no questions asked. You see, the gift of giving is exercised with singleness of mind with no consideration of self. So, again, one must allow God. Here's the important thing right here. One must allow God to designate the proper amount to give and not simply give out of an act of emotion. Let me just say this. Not only to the person with the gift of giving, but anyone. Never give out of an act of emotion. Okay? Now you say, what do you mean by that? Look, never give because somebody gives a speech or you know, asks for something and it stirs your emotion and you give out of emotion. Never do that. This gift, like all others, can be easily misused if not used correctly. One can surely get themselves in a financial bind if they do not consult God first as to what to give. And here's what I mean. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the emotion of the need that we reach for our checkbook and we go to writing a check without even you know, uh, consulting God about how much we should give. Now, this is one reason. This is one reason that I try to always give you at least a week's notice before we take up a special love offering for someone within our congregation. You know, because I do not want you to give off of emotion. I don't want to, you know, share the need with you and you get stirred and you just don't even consult God. You know, I like trying to give you at least a week so you can consult God. So never give on an impulse. Whether you have the gift of giving or you do not, or out of emotion. Never do that because, you, you know, you, you can mess yourself up sometimes. Now, this is how the televangelist, this is how the, the false teachers swindle people out of their hard-earned money. What they do is they play on the emotions of the people, and they know once those emotions are touched, okay, that people are going to give on an impulse. Never give on an impulse. You're saying you're a preacher and you're saying that. You know, most preachers like stirring the emotions. No, because I understand that's not the way to give. Okay? And I will never stir your emotions in order to encourage you to give, whether you have the gift of giving or you not. Second thing is sincerity of the sacrifice. We need to understand this. The gift of giving is not a, a public gift. What I mean by that is where one is giving with pretension or public display. You know, giving with a desire to be seen or recognized. A person with the gift of giving, most of the time, they just want to stay in the background. They don't even want their name mentioned. Okay? Because they're not looking for, you know, glory or they're not looking for public display. You know, that is not giving. That is hypocrisy. If the only way, the only reason we're giving is because we want to be seen or heard 
are known, then you know what? Keep your money. Because you're giving out a hypocrisy, not because God has laid it upon your heart. And, I, and also, I don't believe that the gift relates any way to how much. Now, this is a purple, important thing, too. The gift of giving does not relate to how much money a person has. A person can be living from payday to payday, but God can still give them the gift of giving, you know, because it doesn't have to do with how much money you make or how much money you have. You know, it's just a desire to give when that need arises, no matter what that need might be. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. Let me give you four examples of a giving spirit that we can see in the Scripture. We're going to look, first of all, at John, chapter 12. We all know the story of Mary and how she took uh, some ointment and she anointed the feet of Jesus Christ. But let's look deeper into this story in John chapter 12, verse 3, starting there. John 3, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. Then Mary took a pound of ointment, a spikenard, very costly, and she anointed the feet of Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ornament. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Now here's what Simon said. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now I want you to notice thing here. This precious ointment that, that Mary sacrificed to Jesus, it amounted to nearly an entire year's wages for a common laborer. Think about that. It amounted to nearly a one-year salary, a one-year wage for a common laborer. So when Judas said this spiker could have been sold for 300 pence, he was saying that Mary's uh, uh, perfume was worth a full year's salary. How could she just waste that full year, 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 full year's salary? That's what he was saying. So in this story, we see a contrast between two people, okay? Mary, who had the gift of giving, and Judas, who did not. That's a big contrast right there. When Judas asked, could not this have been sold for money and given to the poor? You know what? Judas could have cared less about the poor. That wasn't his reason. He could have cared less about the poor. All he could think of is, wow, look at this money that's being wasted. A full year's salary. If you wanted to put that in today's time, I don't know what the median salary is now, 45000 50000 a year, whatever it might be. Could you imagine somebody just wasting $50,000 a year? But that's the way Judas was looking at it. Again, he could care less about the poor. He was just looking, man, look at this money that's just being poured all over the ground, over the feet of Jesus. Even today, some within our churches who do not have the gift of giving, they feel that money, let's just say, going to the homeless is wasted. They feel that money going to foreign missions is wasted. Some feel that, you know, money going toward local mission projects is a total waste of money because they do not have that gift of giving and they don't understand, you know, the joy that comes from a person that has the gift of giving and for them to reach out and help meet that need. You know, now that's not to say that everyone who does not have the gift of giving is a Judas Iscariot, okay? I'm not saying that. 
You know, rather I'm saying their focus is not always on the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's on the money itself and what is being wasted. Now turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verses 44 and 45. Let's look at the early church and their example of a giving spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 44. And all that believed were together and had two things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had a need. Listen to me closely. This is not doctrine to teach that everybody's to sell things in the church to meet a need. I've heard that taught. That is not what this is about. Notice these people didn't sell off everything to give money to the church as soon as they joined, as some people, you know, would say. Rather, these are people with a giving spirit that were willing if need be, okay? In other words, if the Spirit of God laid upon their heart to help meet a need financially and they didn't have the cash right on hand, they would sell something in order to meet that need. Are you with me? Because they had the gift of giving and they wanted to meet the need. They may not have had the cash, but you know what? They, they may have had, I, I got to share this. I know mama don't look at me like that. Big old Jersey cow eyes. Look at here. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I've got in my shop things that I buy from Harbor Freight that's never even been opened. Is that true, mama? Okay. I, I, I'll be out there in my shop and I'll see a box and say, wonder what's in that box. And I'll look and it's something I bought two years ago. Never even used it. You know, well, sometimes we all have things that we don't, if we hadn't used it in two years, do we really need it? No. You do, huh, Michael? <laughs> but what I'm talking about is, you know, a person with the gift of giving, if they've got something there and well, I hadn't used that thing, you know, in two years... They were willing to say, I'll depart from it in order to meet this person's need. And that's what this scripture is saying. It's not a doctrine to say, as a church, we should sell stuff. Okay? But if the Lord lays it upon your heart to give, and you say, well, right now I don't have the cash, but I do have this that I can sell and then give to it. That's what it's talking about. Okay? Don't, don't let nobody tell you that this is saying that as a church, we should you know, sell things in order to meet the needs. This is not teaching that, that we should do that. Now, turn to 2 Corinthians 8. Look at the church at Macedonia. The church at Macedonia. Another church that had a bunch of givers within that church. A bunch of people with the gift of giving. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial and affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abound unto the riches of their liberality. You see, Paul is saying to the church at Macedonia that they were tested with many troubles. They was a very poor church, but they were filled with abundant joy which overflowed in rich generosity in their giving. They was a poor church, but they still gave when there was a need. 
And that brought joy upon them. Again, the greatest joy with a person that, that, that is, has the gift of giving is to meet a need. Not for pride on their part, but they just know I'm doing what God has called me to do. God has blessed me, and I'm doing what God has called me to do. So he says, you know, and if you want to look at Second Corinthians 9, 7, he says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So it's evident here that the Macedonians were cheerful givers when it came to meeting needs. One more, look at Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Let's look at this little widow lady, okay? This little widow lady who come to church and everybody was lining up to give and she gave too. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus was there that day with his disciples and he sat over the treasury and he beheld how people cast money into the treasury. So he was there he was just watching people as they come by and they drop their money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came also a certain poor widow and she threw in two mites, two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto his disciples and he said to them, now I can just picture him saying, hey guys, come here, come here, come here. You see that little widow? Look at that. She dropped in two mites. Now, maybe at first they were thinking, boy, he's going to condemn her for only throwing in two, two, two mites. But look what he says. He called them and he said, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. And what did it say up there before? Many were rich and threw in a whole bunch. For all they did cast of their abundance, but she, but she of what she did cast in, all that she had, even all her living. In other words, she gave above and beyond what expected of her. The key here is she was giving with simplicity or singleness of mind with no consideration of herself. And like the Macedonians, because of her generous giving, her heart overflowed with joy. Now, I can't ever read this passage of Scripture without it bringing to memory an, uh, something that happened to me a number of years ago at my last church that I was pastoring. Uh, Brenda, I don't know if you and Jimmy was there. Tina's done gone out with the children's church. I don't know if her and Willie was there. But I, I, we went to, a, a, over in Huntington, we went to a, a black church that was having a revival. I wanted to kind of introduce my people in the different forms of worship as far as evangelical worship. It was a Baptist church. So we went to this black church that was having a revival over in Huntington. And, you know, we went in and we sat in. I guess there was a group of 15 or 20 of us that went. And when they found out I was a pastor, they called me up front. Well, all, quote, reverends sit up front. Okay, so I get up here and I, I sit down. They have four or five chairs and I, I sit down here in the chair. And they, I mean, let me tell you something. They, they worship the Lord when it comes to singing. Of course, they're always off beat. You know, I'm the only one on beat. But anyway, uh, so it come time for the giving. 
And they had everybody stand, and they called two ushers down, and they stood beside the remembrance table like this. One here, one there. Well, I noticed there wasn't no offering plate, so I wasn't for sure how this was going to go down. So they come down, and the preacher looks at me. I'm standing next to him. And he looks at me, and he says, uh, us reverends lead out in the giving. In other words, we go first. We set the example. You understand that? We set the example. So I reach in my billfold, and I open it, and there's nothing there. I'm not one that carries cash with me. So I reach into my pocket, and I have a nickel and three pennies. I said, oh, my gosh. So I still don't know what these two big ushers are doing there. So we walk by. The preacher throws down a 20 on the table. You know, and I kind of just lay my nickel and three pennies there, and I kind of just walk around, feeling pretty low. Are you with me? So I get to watching, and what they're doing is they're separating the money as it comes in. They're putting the ones here, the fives there, the tens there, the twenties there. And they're, they're, they're laying it out there on the table, and they're stacking it up. Now, the reason for that is they can count it very quickly. Okay, so after the first round, now my people are sitting back there laughing at me by now because they knew I didn't carry much money. And I think they seen the nickel in three pennies. They laughing at me. That ain't right. Okay. So anyway, the pastor gets up here. The ushers turn around. Now, this ain't the exact figure, but I'm telling you what I heard. There's two hundred fifty three dollars and eight cents. Are you with me? Where'd the eight cents come from? The pastor says this, and I'm not lying. It ain't enough. We doing it again. Oh, my gosh. So, again, I have nothing. I don't wear a watch. If I did, I'd have threw my watch down. Seriously. So I go by this time, and I just walk by the table. Okay? And, and, and by the time, you know, I'm feeling pretty low now. These steps are about this high. You know, I'm having to kind of climb them up because I'm feeling so low. Are you with me? They turn around. They tell the pastor, again, not the exact figure. There's $482 in how many cents? Eight cents. Dog it. You know what he says? It ain't enough. We doing it again. Folks, listen, I walked that table three times. And only gave eight cents. Now, what's that got to do with the message? I was feeling low. I mean, that chair was like this, and I had to climb up in the chair. I was feeling so low. And when I sat down, the Lord said, hey, you gave all you had. You gave all you had. And he brought this passage of Scripture to me. Did it bring me comfort? No. <laughs> no. But it did. You know, God did speak to me and said, you gave all you had. Don't worry about it. But anyway, that was an experience. Notice that Jesus is watching all that was given. Now, the third thing is the spirit of a giver. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6. We're almost through. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. I want you to see the spirit of a giver, a metadidomy, the spirit of one. Now, there's seven characteristics of a super giver. 
that we see here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in certain uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich, uh, be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Real quickly, seven things we see here. First of all, givers do not think of themselves highly, he says. Okay? They're not high-minded. Givers do not feel secure in what they possess, in verse 17, nor trust in certain riches. Givers realize that God is the supplier and example of giving, verse 17, but in the living God. Verse 18, givers give more than money to the body of Christ. Verse 18, givers use, are aggressive in their giving. They that be rich in good works, ready to distribute, he says. In verse 19, a, giver, uh, a, a giver's giving provides investment for their future. That's why Jesus said, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. And finally, in verse 19, to the giver, it adds value and meaning to their life, that they may hold on to eternal life. Look, do you have the gift of giving? You know, understand this misconception about giving. Again, as I pointed out earlier, one does not have to be rich to have the gift of giving. What did a little old lady have? Two mites. What did that dumb Baptist preacher have? Eight cents. Okay? Now, I will say this. I've been to two back churches since then. And each time I cash in a $20 bill, I get 21s. I'm not joking. I'm not joking at all. I stop and I get me 21s and I say I'll play their game 20 times at least, okay? But look here. Even with the gift of giving, one cannot give. I mean, one can give, should I say, and it not be received of God. One more final scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. Here's what I mean by that statement I just made, and I'll say it again while you're turning there. Even with the gift of giving, one can give and it not be received by God. Here's how. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but have not love it profits me nothing in other words if we do not give out of love doesn't matter how much you give doesn't matter how much you give that's why i say we can give without loving in other words just to have our name put upon a stained glass we can give to have our name put on a pew we can give in order to have our name put on a building. But if that's the purpose of giving, that's all you've got. There's not going to be received in heaven for that. But here's the thing. We can't love without giving. If we truly love God, and if we truly love others, we're going to love giving. If you want to get excited about giving, get to know Jesus.
And as we get to know Jesus and to get to love Jesus, we grow in love for others. Let's pray.